Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to episode number 307 of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is a young Australian swimmer named Flynn Southern. He has been a gold medalist in the 4x100 freestyle relay at this year's World Champs. He's also been in the Commonwealth Games team and won numerous gold medals at the Junior Pan Pack Championships. Now, Flynn is a very insightful and I think very smart swimmer, especially for someone at the young age of 18. And in this podcast, we discuss a number of things, including the one phrase that his coach told him that completely changed the way that he trains. Previously, he was a weaker trainer, wouldn't put in as much effort as he could, but was very talented. But there was something that his coach said to him that completely changed that and turned it around for him. We also discuss what he likes to focus on when it comes to technique. What are those key aspects of his technique that he believes are important? And what does he keep in the back of his mind as he's training and as he's racing? We also talk about why they suit up three times a week in training and race. Because I don't know many squads that would get up and get their race suits on and do three sessions a week where they're going hard and racing. But he talks about why that is and the benefits that he gets out of that sort of training. And finally, we also discuss why he's learned more from the failures that he's had compared to the successes and how he's been able to turn around his success as part of some meets and coming around to different meets from what he's learned from the failures rather than the successes. So let's get into this episode with Flynn Southam. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Flynn Southam. Flynn, you are one of the one of the up and coming swimmers here in Australia. And I, I say up and coming, I mean, you've made the, the Australian team on multiple occasions, but some really exciting racing over the last 12 to 24 months. And it, it's been amazing seeing some of the development in your swimming and getting to the point where you're currently at. So I'd love to talk to you about where you started as a swimmer and how you've got to the point where you're currently at because I mean you're only 18 you're still still quite young in in my eyes I'm twice your age here but you I think really switched on mentally and just hearing you in interviews we've been back and forth a bit it's it's really inspiring to see someone of your age at the point you're at in terms of your swimming but also in terms of mindset and and your approach to things so first of all I'd like to welcome you to the podcast Cool. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, it's pretty cool to be here today. But yeah, it's been a pretty crazy past twelve months. You know, let alone the past two years have been, you know, so many highs, ups and downs, and all that. But you know, going away and swimming internationally for Team Australia is something some people can only do once in their life, and I've already done it like four or five times now at such a young age. And I'm so grateful for it, and it just keeps me hungry. I'd enjoy it so much, and just want to keep making those teams and do the best I can and represent. Australia the best I can. Tell me about World Champs. So you were there on the first night in the 4x100 freestyle relay and yep. ended up winning gold with the Australian team. I remember watching it and just like just that whole night going, oh man, this is amazing. Just so many great swims and yeah. just one after the other. And so tell me what was that night like being there, the, the atmosphere yeah. and then your race as well. Yeah, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. And like for me, that feels like almost like a year ago but it was only a couple months ago because there's been so much happening i think it all started the night off with ariana titmus winning the 400 free for the girls and like that was just like such a kick in everyone's step like everyone got so g'd up from it it was just great to see because it's such a highly anticipated race and then you know we had the 
400 champion in the women's and then Sam Short, my roommate over there and one of my good mates, he backed it up and won the 400, which was also another amazing race. And then the girls four by one, they do what they always do and smash it. And I'm pretty sure they broke a world record. And yeah, it was just so cool to see everyone firing. Like we had won three out of the five golds so far of that night. And, you know, where we had our little team huddle before, we're like, boys, like, come on. We've got the Aussie spirit behind us. And we just wanted to get out there and try and replicate what everyone else has been doing that night. And just that momentum and the team environment kind of just built in the Everyone was there competing for not only themselves, but more importantly for Australia. And like, that was just so motivating and, you know, it was such an awesome experience and we would have been stoked with the bronze medal, let alone winning it. So it was such a cool experience. What do you take away from that? Because to me, it seems like, and, and when I've been uh, racing as part of teams, it's like, there's so much to be said for good team culture the environment, the, and just the enthusiasm of, of everyone else around you, like, especially at that top level where you're so close physically, but that, yeah. that mental aspect of it is, is such a big contributing factor. Yeah. It was such a, so many different learnings about it. You know, like you could talk about the physical side of it, like what I learned in that, like, you know, versing the, the big Italian boys next to us and, you know, me being a bit of a smaller, skinnier dude like getting absolutely pummeled in the wash, but learning how to swim through that and doing the changeovers in such a high pressure, pressure situation, you know, it's like one of the biggest events on the swimming program, the men's four by one free really. So it was just learning about how can I bring the best I've got to the table? And we kind of all said to each other, like if we can Jack Cartwright let off and then I think I went second and then Kai Taylor was another young gun. He went third and, you know, us three boys just said to each other, if we can get Kyle within a whiff of the, the anchor swimmer for all the teams, like we should have it in the bag because he's just so reliable because he's been on the relay team. He, his first team was 2015 Worlds. He was telling me he got on the four by one and it definitely didn't go as well as how our relay went. But they, I think they ended up missing the final. So there's so many different learnings, whether you win or you lose, I guess. What I'm trying to say is just like, you know, just Kyle, he has the experience and the leadership and he helped us younger boys and Jack too. Big shout out to the two older boys. They, you know, helped us through the marshalling room. There's so many different things we learned from that, me and Kai, and probably almost, if not better than getting a gold medal. Michael Phelps was in the presentation room for the medals and he comes up to me and Kai and he's like, oh, he's just like big hand, big hand and a big handshake just said like, hi, I'm Michael. And me and Kai looking at our hands like that for like, you know, the next hour and just so like buzzed up. So it was so cool. It's just the best experience ever. That's awesome. Back in, I've got to check the dates. It was early, early 2000s. Michael Phelps and Bob Bowman came and did a, a clinic in Melbourne just after the World Cup, I think it was. And this was like just as Mike was really starting to become well known. It was like probably just, yeah. you know, probably a year or two before he really started to get really well known. But in the swimming world, everyone sort of knew who he was because he was already pretty, pretty successful at that point. And I remember going to that clinic and just thinking it's so cool to be around someone you know, like this. And this was before he was you know, who he was. Yeah. And then my friend's, uh, my friend's dad was actually kind of help managing him when he was there in terms of like make sure he gets to the pool and all that sort of stuff. And we ended up having breakfast with him at, at the hotel. And I was so nervous. I, I don't think I asked him a question. I didn't say anything because he's like this, you know, this, this big swimmer. And we didn't say anything. He was trying to get 
it's like getting water from a rock. He was just, he was trying to get us to talk a bit, but we were just so, so nervous. And but the one thing I got from meeting him was that like, we asked him, oh, what do you, like, what'd you do today? He's like, oh, I just played PlayStation. I'm like, oh, he's like us. Yeah. You know, we, I was <laughs> young at the time. I was like, oh, it's so cool. He plays PlayStation. So <laughs> I just remember, yeah. remember that and thinking that like it, people are like, everyone's the, the same. Basically, we're all just normal people, but some yeah. people just really commit themselves to, to something and become, become great at it. For you, like, when did you feel like you could really make swimming the thing that you, you do? What age? I guess I've always kind of believed in myself that I could make it to an Australian team and win a medal at gold, win a medal at world champs. And, you know, I've got so many more things I want to achieve in my mind before I've said I've made it, I guess. But I feel like I've always kind of believed I could do that. But it was just about actually doing it and having the work ethic to do it. I think everyone should believe in themselves that they can do anything they want. But I mean, just because you believe in yourself doesn't mean it'll happen. You just have to work incredibly hard and make a lot of sacrifices for it. And that I probably learned that you need to make the sacrifices around probably 13, 12, 13 years old. And yeah, I've pretty much been the same since then. Was there a certain thing that happened or yeah, there was a time where you started to realize that? Yeah, well, I think my coach pulled, my coach Xander Hay, he coached me a few years ago, still at the same club now. He pulled me and another pretty talented swimmer aside out of our like junior program training session once. And this is, yeah, when I was 12 or 13. And he pretty much said to me, he said the quote, like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that like his message was pretty much saying like the two of you are pretty talented, but you know, you're not really what hard workers. And I guess no one's really a hard worker when they're 10, 11, 12 years old. He's still learning how to swim, I guess, but. I guess he saw the talent in me and then it kind of made me reflect and be like, hey, it would be a bit of a waste if I didn't live up to my talent, I guess. And, you know, I was really passionate about it, still am really passionate about it. And I kind of just thought to myself, like, why not give this thing a crack and why not me? I guess that's the saying I always tell myself, why not? Like, why can I not go to the Olympics and, you know, just stuff like that for a bit of belief. Mm. Was there a certain race or a, a time where you felt like, it, it confirmed that I can mix it with these with these top boys in the sport. I think I was about what immediately comes to mind is I think I was like 11 years old. I was 100 free for like school states or something like that. I don't even remember, but I came close to this kid who was like the it kid of the age group swimming back then down in Sydney for school states. I went 1019, I think, and did like a massive PB and you know, a few people were like, wow, these two kids are super fast and for their age and all that. So that was kind of like, that kind of catapulted me into being like, wow, I'm actually, you know, half decent at this. And then I guess maybe when I was 15 at States one year, I broke Kyle Chalmers' Australian record in the 100 free for 15-year-old boys. I went 49-6 and that was like a real, like, you know, the hard work I've put in. Actually, like you put 200 together, you put the hard work and the belief together and it comes out pretty, pretty good. And for me, I never really looked back from there. Mm. I think I remember seeing that either someone like sent it to me back then as like, it was like a swim swim article on it or like that. I, you're swimming. I remember going, holy crap. Like that's, that is so fast. It's like, and I think, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that race was maybe recorded too. And I think, I think I watched it. So it's, it's just cool to see, you know, in that period of time over the last couple of years, you know, where you've, where you've got to. So it's, and that, tell me about that 47, seven that you did at 
at trials for world champs. So was that, were you expecting or hoping to, to go that fast? Did you feel like you had that in you? Well, it's kind of a funny thing because leading into that meet, my 200 that entire season had been on, you know, all throughout in season, I was dropping 146 low a couple of times, untapered, unshaved. And then I, you know, show up to trials on day one and I'm like, you know, I'm going to try and win this 200 free and do a really impressive time. And I kind of just swam with the weight of the world on my shoulders, thinking that I needed to be perfect in this race and this 200 needs to be perfect. And funny story is I almost missed the final and then did the final. Wasn't a very impressive time. It's probably like PB plus 1.3 or something. In my mind, I choked the race. I think physiologically I was there. I would have been, could have been the best swimmer in that race, but my mindset kind of held me back that day because I built it up in my head too much and pretty much spoke to my coach afterwards, Chris Mooney, and you know, we were really disappointed, but at 100, I'm still pretty good at that. So we we're kind of like, all right, let's just go for this. And I got fifth in the 200 and they take the top six in a relay. They can take up to eight in the relay, but usually they'll take the top six and rest the four fastest swimmers and swim the two heat swim, something like that combination. But, you know, I got fifth and Chris said to me, he was pretty much like, don't consider yourself on the team. Swim like you've got no expectations of making a team or anything like that. Throw that out the door, but just tell yourself you're not on the team and that last, you know, 20, 15 meters of that 100 free be like this is like do or die now so back against the wall kind of swim and to drop such a impressive time by my standards it was a pretty pretty exciting thing and it's hard to explain because it was such a you know emotional roller coaster that was day three of trials 100 but day one was the 200 free and it was just like i just want to go home i'm not i'm not going to make the team like all this stuff like the self-talk starts to creep in but that's where you really have to take your accountability for yourself and kind of quiet those voices down that go on in your head and tell yourself that, you know, you've done the hard work and you've made all the sacrifices and you just have to go out there and swim and race. And that's one of the best things I can do is just go and race and turn emotion and kind of adversity into passion and success, I guess. So it was about mm-hmm. me turning that that loss and making a kind of a comeback story in my mind. So yeah, that was pretty much it for me. And it wasn't really expected to go that time. I obviously want to go that time, but Based on my my form, I guess, in the first half of the meet, it wasn't really expected. Mm. Well, how do you balance? Because you came home so strong in that 100, mm. that last like 25, just monstered home and like it, another couple of strokes and it would have on the touch with, with Kyle there. How do you balance the staying relaxed enough to keep your technique and, and not muscle your way through the water when you're thinking, all right, it's, it's do or die? Yeah. Like, how, how do you balance that line? Yeah, it's so, that's like, that's the question everyone wants to know, I think. And I think the best swimmers in the world have cracked that. And that's how they do the 46.9s and the 46.8, I guess, if you're David um, Popovich. But I think that's the thing I'm looking for at the moment. And I'm definitely getting there because, you know, a lot of my swimming doesn't come from skills and muscling it and, you know, that fast twitch sort of stuff. It's more the technique and the connection and, the flow i guess so for me it kind of all starts behind the blocks and in the marshalling room i guess the the moment you step foot into the arena it's you know about staying calm in your mind and getting into that flow state which is what i kind of believe to be like that seven out of ten intensity in your mind you don't want to be like 
this is do or die, like grit your teeth. You know what I mean? You don't want to be mm. super mentally aroused, I guess, but you don't want to be like, oh, I hate swimming. I don't want to do this, rah, rah, rah. So for me, it's finding that like nice middle point of emotional kind of stability. And mm. then it's just about letting, you know, I kind of I kind of like thinking that us athletes are artists and that we're like what we do is art and it's for the entertainment of others. And you don't have to entertain yourself you don't have to get caught up in the storyline whether you'll make the team or not you can just go out there and do your thing and you know at the end of the day whatever other people think of you is whatever you just have to do your best and that's all you can ask for but yeah it starts you know with my ritual of getting into the flow state and that's behind the blocks where i do my pre-race ritual i'll splash the water and do some claps and all that and that's me telling my body and my mind that it's time to create some art mm. and are you doing that uh, in training or that's just like in racing that's just the, the ritual you've got and so you you basically that's when your body just knows all right i'm ready to go yeah well i mean i would consider myself you know a lot of people speak whether they're a trainer or a racer and i know me i'm a i'm a racer so for me it automatically just clicks in on race day but the concept behind it is just you know getting into that nice state and that flow state and the technique and the connection and all the aspects of that it's mm. yeah it's challenging but when i show up on race day i know that i've put work in and i could do something special let's talk about technique so one of the things that i'd love to dig into is is technique and uh, you've got a great hold of the water what are yeah. what are some things over the last couple of years that you've had to focus on and that that you feel like you've either had to, to change as part of your stroke or really just develop to get to where you currently are mm. so all of it really comes from your body position in the water and your front front catch, I guess. For me, you know, growing up, I was tall, but I wasn't insanely tall and I was, you know, strong, but I'm not the level of strength of some of the other guys. I've never really been that good at underwaters or turns or dives. So I had to look at it with a bit of logic and be like, hey, you know, I've got really long arms. My wingspan's two meters on the dot. I'm 190 tall, 190 centimeters tall. So I got to use my frame and my arms to my advantage. And that for me looks like getting a high elbow catch and reducing drag. And then when it's time for gym work, it's all about trying to increase propulsion. So then when I come into the pool and I work with my biomech, we look at kind of trying to be like as straight as an arrow, trying to go through the water and as streamlined as possible. So that's different for everyone. And sometimes the loping stroke, breathing twos works. And sometimes, you know, just having your head down and a bit more thoracic rotation works for the people like me so i guess it's all about finding what out what works for you and just working on it every day but for me it's about that front end catch harvesting yeah i guess using my long arms and then getting strong in the gym which is what i'm working on at the moment before we dive into the rest of today's podcast episode this episode is proudly brought to you by form smart swim goggles They've been a long-time sponsor of the podcast and they are my go-to goggles when it comes to tracking my training sessions and being able to see what's happening in real time through the goggles. And we know swimming is a highly technical sport, but without the guidance of a coach on deck, identifying and addressing technique flaws can be a challenge. They've recently added a new feature to the goggles, Head Coach, and this addresses that problem head-on. It gives swimmers improved access to their technique awareness, focus skill development, and in-app education and analysis. Head Coach provides real-time visual coaching via the Form Smart Swim Goggles augmented reality display. 
During and after a swim, head coach provides swimmers with technique feedback using two types of metrics, form score and head coach skills. Form score is a measurement of overall swim efficiency ranging from zero to 100, defined by your pace and your stroke length. Head coach skills encompasses five key areas that will help you identify where to focus on improving with your efficiency. Head roll, head pitch, set pacing, interval pacing, and breathing time to neutral. And after completing a session, you can check back in on the form app to track your progress. And Head Coach provides swimmers from beginner to expert with an unprecedented level of data-driven guidance and understanding, enabling you to boost your performance and your speed. Get your pair of Form Smart Swim Goggles today. Click the link in our podcast description or use the code EFFORTLESS on checkout to get 15% off your Form Smart Swim Goggles. This podcast is also brought to you by Skillist, the ultimate digital coaching platform that's making waves in the swimming world. Imagine having the opportunity to train with Olympic and world champions like Kyle Chalmers, Ryan Murphy, and Brent Hayden. Well, with Skillist, that dream is now a reality. Swimmers, you now have the chance to work with the absolute best in the sport, gaining insights and guidance from these elite athletes like never before. And Skillist isn't just your run-of-the-mill coaching platform, it's a game changer. Here is what sets it apart. You can discuss training programs, receive detailed stroke analysis, and even develop race strategies with these incredible athletes and coaches. It's like having a personal coaching session with an Olympic champion right in your pocket. And excitingly, coaches from around the world can also tap into the power of Skillist. Coaches can use Skillist's amazing tools to train their students, analyze videos, and incredibly connect with swimmers from across the world as well. So whether you are a swimmer or a coach, go to the App Store, download the Skillist app today. That's S-K-I-L-L-E-S-T. Download the Skillist app today and get started. And only for our Effortless Swimming Podcast listeners, we're giving away our Art of Triathlon course free, as well as a technique analysis online through the Skillist app from me for free as well. Go to effortlessswimming.com forward slash Skillist offer or click the link in this podcast description and you will get the Art of Triathlon Swimming course for free, as well as a technique analysis from me through the Skillist app. And now back to the podcast. What sort of stuff are you doing gym-wise to develop your strength? Yeah, so we do a bit of a split of upper body power, lower body power, upper body strength and lower body strength, and a lot of shoulder stability and rehab, sort of prehab sort of stuff. So we don't, you know, stay injury free. That's the goal. A lot of core, a lot of functional movement sort of stuff. There's the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. Joe Coyne, he is like a wizard. He knows this stuff. He's, I reckon he's one of the best in the world at his job. He's worked with the MMA, UFC dudes in China and Xu Jiayu, the backstroker, Chinese backstroker. And he worked with Chin Haiyang a bit. So he's, he knows this stuff. And we're just so lucky to have him at Bond because he's a wizard. And I'm sure if you asked him, he could give you a whole big list and what we're doing. But my job is just to lift a lot of weight and <laughs> get strong. So that's, yeah, my answer. That, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? You don't want to have to think about more than what you need to. It's get out and, and do your thing. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you ever go into training heavy from the gym or is that something that you like try and, try and avoid? Like what's, how is it for you? Yeah, well, Joe... He's got a saying, if you fly too close to the sun, you're going to get burnt. So, you know, it's really good that we go hard in gym, but sometimes if we go like too hard and we end up injuring us, injuring ourselves, or we show up to training sick the next morning, because us boys, we go pretty hard in gym, like we're all really committed to it. So yeah, the saying is 
you don't want to fly. You don't want to get burnt from the sun and you want to use this to, you know, increase your swimming performance. So it's a fine line between taking it too easy, but going too hard. But we have like a lot of, like all of our gym is prescribed with the weights and the rep count and everything. So we just have to do that. And, you know, reality of the situation is some days you're going to be sore as hell. And some days you're going to feel like, wow, this is, you know, put a kick in my step and I feel good. I could do a suited set quality set tonight and smash out some PBs, but you know, it's just about managing that, I think, and, you know, not getting too caught up if your arms are sore or you don't have that feel for the water. It's just about going through the process. Mm. Yeah. What about favorite sets? Are there any main sets that for you, you feel like number one, you enjoy and number two, you feel like prepare you really well for racing? Yeah. So the one that would prepare me really well for racing. So I guess that's the one I probably enjoy the most. We do a lot of dive 50s. We suit up three times a week. It's all about physiological gains, increasing the anaerobic capacity. So pretty much 30 seconds or less worth of high intensity sprint work. That's what we do. And it's, you know, a typical Chris Mooney set would be like six times through dive 35, dive 50, maybe five times through that. And it's all about, you know, just a high velocity output and great skills under pressure and increasing the anaerobic capacity so you know you show up on race day and you go out we don't actually do much back-end work at all like we don't do push back-end speed or anything like that because one chris doesn't believe in it and two if you think about showing up to race day and swimming the 100 free which is what i want to target you show up and think about diving in for the first 50 and going seven out of ten and trying to turn in 23.0 if your 50 pb is you know 22 high then that's going to have to be higher than a 7 out of 10 to turn that fast but if your 50 pb is 21 high or 22 low which is where i'm trying to get you know that 7 out of 10 is more realistic and you don't actually have to you know muscle it and be fatigued by the time you get to the wall do you know what i mean by that mm. yeah, yeah yeah exactly to, to yeah exactly to get that easy speed at the start, yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be quick. <laughs> you got yeah, exactly. to be quick. Yeah. And then you pair that and you massage that in with aerobic conditioning that we do. So pretty much every second morning, every morning we'll do a lot of, you know, not threshold work because that uses a lot of glycogen as Chris would say. So, you know, it's more just low intensity, A1, A2, neg split, neg split stroke count, a lot of that sort of stuff to actually work the efficiency. And they have that aspect, the actual conditioning purpose of the day and then we have the technical aspect which is you know my front end catch and keeping my hips still and you know head neutral thinking that you're getting pulled by fishing rope kind of fishing line from like the top of your head and then just trying to get as skilled as i possibly can so that's pretty much what like you know my favorite set looks like because it's a killer you know people say sprinting isn't hard but when you're sprinting with your head down and trying to be the best you can be with your conditioning and capacity and all that it's bloody hard and you get to the end of the third or fourth 50 and the time cycles on four minutes and you're just like you just want to like vomit your lactates through the roof but you just gotta keep working i guess and keep grinding away at it are you swimming down in that set or it's just all like walk back yeah it's all walk back and just let that lactate get as high as you can and the better you can deal with that lactate and push through I guess, and still hit those times within, you know, 0.5 of, so for say, I'll start a set and I'll start around 22.8, 22.9 for a dive 50. 
I don't want to be going any slower than 23 mid by the 650. If we do 650s on four minutes, you know? Mm. So yeah, wow. That's, that's the goal. That's it. That we, we had a camp in Thailand two weeks ago where we did, we call it last one standing. It's, it's yeah. 850s. Dive walk back on about a five minute cycle. And we're yeah. doing it with, we're doing it with people who would typically never do that sort of stuff. Yeah, they're most yeah. of them are like aerobic based athletes, a lot of, a lot of triathletes. And they were absolutely buggered at the end of it. Like eight dive yeah. 50 walkbacks on five. It's a 40 minute set. You swim 400 meters, but you'll be more tired than if you'd done 3100s, you know, doing like close to threshold. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's hard sure. work. And most people, like I say most people, a lot of the people that I coach will never sort of hit that kind of lactate in their sessions because, yes, they're training for something different, you know, different, and, and you want to yeah. be specific with your training. But it's um, such a good base to have that mm. aerobic capacity. Yeah, so, that's, that's yeah. exactly right. Do you, do you feel like you can, like the aerobic work that you, you do, do you feel like when you've got a good base of that, you can, you, you can pull from that in your, in your races? Like, can you feel that the benefit that that training has for you? Yeah, yes, but more so it's more so the anaerobic capacity work that we do that really helps me in my back ends like like i said well i meant to say it actually we don't even do over 5k sessions and everyone has this idea in their head that you need to do distance to become so fit and come home in a 24 low or even a 23 high or something which has never been done but the race only lasts for under 50 seconds and you know just going as hard as you can, I guess. And I guess you don't really go into a different energy system other than your lactic acid system. So for us, it's just about like that anaerobic conditioning. It's, it's good to have a base, but I feel like the anaerobic stuff isn't really touched on by a lot of people because I think it's so powerful when you really harness that lactate production. You were saying earlier, you, you do the, the aerobic base and then you uh, do some of the technique work. Are you, what, what kind of drills, what kind of uh, exercises are you doing to work on your, on your front end catch, work on your hip stability and those sorts of things? Yeah. Well, there's just so many little intricate drills that I have that's kind of hard to explain on camera, but a lot of it is like just simple stuff, like doing single arm with a paddle in a pool boy in and just like working like as you would swimming normally, but just with one arm. You do like 100 single arm change arms at 50s and that will like cook your arm so quickly. Like you wouldn't think it would, but it does. And it's such a good kind of, it exposes the little flaws in your technique if you can only swim with two arms instead of one arm. So that's good to do that. But then also I forgot to mention, we have been doing a lot of drag and resistance work. And I find that there's this thing called a parachute that I wear, which you've probably heard of before, but for all the viewers, it's pretty much just like a bucket with a hot no hole at the bottom or with a hole at the bottom and it's attached to a rope which is attached around your hips and you swim against that and you can change the resistance of it. and sometimes it feels like you're pulling a person through the water which is really hard and you know we do a lot of sprints with that sort of stuff on and i find with my hips which is a weakness of mine like whether they drop and the creates a bit of drag when i breathe i find with the drag suit that actually you can kind of feel it. You can feel it slowing you down when you slow down. So it's, yeah, there's little innovative things rather than just like smashing out just Ks, mindless Ks. But, you know, if you do those Ks with good intent and good technique, which is, you know, your message, that's like 
that's best case scenario, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's those sorts of drills, even like single arm, it, yeah. it does expose uh, the weaknesses in your in your stroke. And we even like when we run clinics, we just do a basic like hand on top of kickboard, forty five degrees rotation, and just just practice breathing low with that split yeah. vision. And yeah. more times than not, someone feels very comfortable on one side and not on the other. Yeah, so the other. Yeah. yeah, and so it's, it's like see if you can figure out the next time we do it. See if you can figure out what is causing you to feel like you are uncomfortable on the other side. And more mm. than likely, they're either like under or over rotated. Maybe they're lifting their head as they turn, or or their hand isn't straight. Like there's there's all these little things that if that if you can start to become aware of them, and as a yeah, as an elite level swimmer, it's like you become so in tune with these little variations in your stroke mm. that you, yeah. know, you, you just build up this really good innate sense of where your body is and how you're moving. And yeah. then, then you try and just keep on top of it as you're, as you're training. Yeah, exactly. And then like, you know, you get like the foundation work in when you're a younger kid. And then, you know, when you get into your late teens, early twenties, that's when you just look at little one percenters and, you know, 1% 47, seven for the hundred free is, you know, it's a big margin. It's, you know, the difference between winning a race and, coming third or fourth especially now like how competitive the 100 meter final is like i missed out on the final at worlds in the 100 by 0.09 i think so i came 11th and you know top eight gets you into the final so that's how close it is you know one tenth of a second gets you like three or four swimmers in there so you know it's all about finding those little one percenters now mm. yeah the the drag stuff is the drag stuff that you're talking about earlier is I think a lot of fun. We've been doing the poor man's version of it in training. So I'm part of it, like just an adult squad and we'll, we, we tow each other. We grab onto a leg, the other yeah. person just drags behind. And it's like, and you notice it, right? Like you, when they let go, you feel like you are just motoring you through the wind. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun as well. And that's like, that's a big part of it. Whether you are yeah. um, training you know, nine, 10 times a week, or if you're like an, an adult, just, you know, just swimming two or three times a week, it's like, you can make it fun. I find that your ability to to learn and adapt and yeah and want to come back again the next week is yeah. it's hugely motivating when it's when it's enjoyable and, and that yeah. comes from what you're doing, who you do it with, your coach and those sorts of things. Yeah. In terms yeah. of your training, have you got a bunch of good mates that you're you're training with? Yeah, like we've I'm one of six boys in the squad and you know, we're so like all committed to it and it's so great because none of us are really interested in partying or, you know, any regular teenage stuff we're all there to be the best we can be and we have a lot of fun and we get up to some mischief sometimes but just the boys a couple of them benny armbruster and jesse coleman they're both 51 mid for the 100 fly colette he's a 10100 mid and gideon burns they're the two breast strokers they're one one low for the 100 breast and fergus mclaughlin is backstroker so we got like a really good medley relay team kind of coming through so that's the goal. If we can all snag the boys on to the Australian team for like the LA Olympics, that would be pretty fun. But, you know, we're all there to motivate each other and help each other up when, you know, they're a bit down and stuff like that. So it's such a good training environment. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. That's awesome. And, and I know you've been doing a bit of mentoring with like some juniors, some younger swimmers. What are some of the common things you're hearing from them that they, they struggle with? And, and then what, what kind of advice are you, do you find yourself giving them? Yeah. So a lot of the time it's really just, you know, these 12, 13, 14, 15 year old kids, they're really struggling with the pressure that they put on themselves. And, you know, I can't point the finger at anyone because I'm really guilty of that. You know, sometimes 
in the past I've put my self-worth dependent on my results in the pool, which sounds mm. like crazy stupid, but it's such an easy path to fall down. And sometimes I need to remind myself like not to get caught up in that. And, you know, these kids, it's literally like looking into having face, like a FaceTime session with myself like five years ago. It's pretty crazy. But my main message is just to have fun. And, you know, I broke my arm when I was fifth, 14, I think. And I was about to miss my first age nationals, which was devastating. I was really sad, ended up getting canceled because of COVID. But main point of the story is that I broke my arm and I realized like, holy crap, like swimming just got taken away from me for like, for three four months like what the hell just happened it was just a random day at school i fell over playing basketball and broke my arm and that was swimming ruled out for a couple months and i think that was a real eye-opener being like hey your time in the sport like you've got an expiry date like a vegetable or something you know what i mean like it will go off soon (laughs) whether you like it or not so you got to enjoy it and kind of treat every day like you last. So, you know, you train super hard, but you also got to have a bit of fun as well and make sure the journey's worth it. Yeah, it seems so uh, young to have that, that realization because it's, so, it's just so easy to get caught up in the, in the, the day-to-day and it's like, all right, I've got to, like, I've got to make this team, I've got to do this time, yeah. and then just not step back and, like, and just enjoy it because as you get older, you, you kind of look back and go, wow, it was like yeah. to be able to to train that much and, and be that fit. Like it is, it's such a great time of your, your life, but it, yeah, it's like they say youth is wasted on the, on the young. It's, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to realize that at the time, but yeah, to, to be able to know that, you know, the, the journey is, is really a, a lot better than the destination more times. Yeah, than At the end of the day, like I walk around training now and no one looks at me and be like, would think like, Oh wow. He won a, you know, gold medal at world champs. So like, oh, wow, like he's like such a nice friend or wow, he's a tosser, you know, something like like people like look at you for who you actually are, not like the medals around your neck, you know? So it's, that's at the end so of the day, true. It's, like, <laughs> it's like swimming is something we do. It's not who we are. And, you know, I have to tell myself that every day and I struggle with perfectionism. I'm actually, I've got a quote written up above my desk saying success is not perfection. And it's just about having fun. And you do this because you love swimming. You don't do this because you don't want to lose you know what i mean yeah like yeah yeah you just you just do it to be the best you can be and sometimes the best you can be is having a laugh and not being such a crazy athlete that gets caught up in the the mental the mental math of it that's what i call it yeah yeah it's, and when it comes to racing too when you when you see swimmers and athletes of any kind really when they're having fun they're generally the loosest you, you move better yeah. and you just get into that that flow but if you're trying to force things that's yeah. that is when yeah. you don't you'll normally don't don't race and compete that well so it's yeah uh, yeah man that's 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 great to to hear you able to go through that that experience and often when you look back at things you know those more challenging times there can be some great lessons out of it mm. you know yeah so, i look back and i mean i saw the same, same thing with covid when i couldn't coach when i couldn't like do the things that i was doing i was like man okay i really i really miss that face-to-face interaction of working with people I, I miss i miss like being able to try and better myself and have a like have a have a purpose and the thing that i'm working towards mm. so it's like yeah these these things that can really suck and they're they're challenges i look back and go i'm so it's glad difficult. i went through that mm. yeah yeah and i always say that like at junior worlds you know like not that i really want to talk about it but i will just for the you know point of the 
discussion we're talking about, you know, I missed the final at Junior Worlds in the 100 free. As at the end of the week, you know, there's a hundred different excuses that I could go over, but I missed the final in that, but I almost made the final at World Champs and Senior World Champs. And, you know, I went PB plus two and a half or something. Really disappointing. And for me, I learned more doing that horrible time, that horrible experience. I learned more in that than I did winning a gold medal at Worlds. So that's, hmm. you know, and I always say learning is probably more valuable than winning all the time. So if you can learn and win, great. But if you have a bad race and you still learn, like it's, it's not all bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And uh, I mean, I'm sure there'll be uh, there'll be a lot more lessons like that along the way. And but as you sort of get that experience, you you know, you can hopefully just make less and yeah, have less and less of those ex- experiences. It becomes more more winning. So yeah, that's yeah. And, and it's such a we're talking about this before the podcast as well. Those junior world champs are in in Israel. You know, five weeks or so before everything kicked off so it's yeah. just like it really is a bigger than uh, pri- yeah that's right and it's, yeah. it's such a privilege to be able to you know to be able to do i guess do what we we do and that we're very very lucky and sometimes it's hard to realize that you know just when we're in the in the thick of things so yeah, yeah it sounded yeah, like it's a pretty crazy experience for you for sure so what have you got coming up that you're looking forward to i've got a, a big next couple of months you, you said you Came off a a break a couple of weeks ago where you're just able to switch off, you know, two weeks out of the water and now you're back into training. What have you got on your mind for the next six to 12 months? No, well, I mean, first things first is, you know, trials next year, Olympic trials. That's a meet like no other I've heard. I haven't been to one before. So, you know, we're looking forward to that and we're training for that and making winning a habit. So that's, that's first things first. But if we backtrack from there, there's you know, Queensland States at the end of this year, which will be a great hit out. And it's such a, such a great meet. I always say Queensland States is like one of my favorite meets because it's just got such a good atmosphere. And, you know, everyone's like at different stages, but, you know, everyone's like super competitive at that meet because, you know, a lot of pride's on the line and it's not super high pressure. So, yeah, it's good fun and good racing. And I always find that, you know, you learn just as much from Queensland States as a young age grouper as you do from world champs. So, mm. you know, it's great to see all the little kids there as well, like, you know, kicking butt. So we got that. And then there'll be nationals and a couple of meets down in Sydney next year. So, you know, just little ones, but the main one in the back of everyone's mind is trials. And the preparation for that starts now, even though it's in June next year, starts now. Well, Flynn, all the best for for when in the lead up to trials and it's been great uh great having you on we tried to uh, do it earlier but you ended up being pretty busy in between yeah. uh the two two worlds so i'm glad i could get you on uh it's been great watching your journey over the last couple of years i'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of years because uh, you've got sure. a great head on your shoulders great watching your swimming yeah I, I love to watch good good swimmers particularly good freestylers and uh, yeah, and it's just really exciting to see what you're doing. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Wish you all the best. Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.